Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The president has long been concerned about the power of large social media platforms. This border is out of control, and if Title 42 goes away, it's going to triple, even quadruple the number that are coming across. And together, we have committed more than $5 billion of equipment to support Ukraine's self-defense. Russia is failing. Ukraine is succeeding. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Tom, Benny, and Clark. And, uh, boy, you heard that clip at the top of the program. (laughs) Biden has long been concerned about uh, social media and these tech giants. What a crock. (laughs) What a crock. Here's Jen Psaki from yesterday. This is cut two, Clark. Jen Psaki from yesterday's uh, press briefing talking about this very thing comment on a specific transaction uh what i can tell you as a general matter no matter who owns or runs uh twitter uh the president has long been concerned about the power of large social media platforms uh what they have that power they have over our everyday lives has long argued that tech platforms must be held accountable for the harms they cause uh, he has been a strong supporter of fundamental re- reforms to achieve that goal including reforms to section 230 enacting antitrust reforms requiring more transparency and more and he's encouraged encouraged that uh, there's bipartisan interest in Congress. Uh, In terms of what hypothetical policies uh, might uh, happen, I'm just not going to speak to that at this point in time. (laughs) He's long been concerned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hello, Jen. Do you remember back to the New York Post uh, obtaining that uh, laptop and uh, it basically was squelched by Twitter? And you've long been, he's long been concerned. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and listen, he and his entire staff, his entire administration took what Twitter and Facebook did to the New York Post and they just ran with it. Oh, it's factual. Oh, it's Russia collusion. I I wish a follow-up question to Jen at that time would would be about the New York Post. Um, Well, what do you think about, you know, in the the fall of 2020 when the New York Post got banned for Twitter – yeah. for breaking that story yeah. what did you think about that jim yeah. what did what did the president then, think about that at that time yeah. he's concerned about a a platform that only restricts or restricts anyone not just republicans that's what he's concerned yeah. about. but suddenly the story has changed now that elon musk has purchased twitter anyway uh you know i heard uh, mark levin is going back on twitter and listen donald trump i, I heard henry talking about this this morning donald trump will go back regardless of what happens to his social media platform yeah. he'll be back on there he will he has to be if well certainly if he plans to run and it seems like he is um he'll have to go the final debate for the front runners of the republican national uh, nomination for the u.s senate is uh, happening tonight wghp in high point the uh, the front runner though Ted Budd is again deciding to uh, miss the debate, so you have and uh, Marjorie Eastman didn't get the two percent in the latest polling, so she will not be there. So you've got a debate between Pat McCory and Mark Walker, and a probably you know I think Ted Budd should be there, but it will probably basically be a love fest between Pat McCory and Mark Walker beating up <laughs> Ted Budd. <laughs> Well, you know, it's probably the best thing for him to do is to beat up on the guy that's in the lead instead of beat up on each other. You know, I, I'm kind of surprised Margie East, 
Eastman didn't have enough support to be there because um, you had her on the show one day. I was we out, did. and I, I really like her. Yeah, she's she impro- and I don't think she's gone. I mean, I I don't think she's going to win this one, but I would not be surprised if uh, she runs for something else. They are depending upon in the in the um, the polling to to figure out who was going to be on and who wasn't. They needed, I think, it was a two percent minimum, and she came in at one point five percent. They did their own poll. It was the WGHP, the Hill Emerson College poll. They had Bud with 38%, McCrory at 22%, Walker at 9%, Eastman at 1.5%. And in this poll, I don't have the undecideds, but most of the poll, it's about 30% of undecideds. So it could still go either way. But right now, uh, this is a pretty big gap. I mean, you go back just a month ago, and it was McCrory beating Ted Bud. And uh, it was basically on name recognition. People didn't mm-hmm. recognize the name of Ted Budd. They did recognize Pat McCory's name. But, uh, boy, all that money the Club for Growth has been spending has had an effect. Well, I, I think um, I think the first time we interviewed him, I, I don't recall if it was – well, I know the first time we interviewed him was on the phone, and then we had him live, I believe. <clears throat> and then we just had him a week or so ago. Yeah, a week yeah. or so ago. But uh, I think it was the first time we interviewed him on, on the phone – I asked my wife about it, and um, and she didn't follow politics like we do, obviously, but she follows it more since what I do, and she said, never heard of them. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think these ads, even though they've been incredibly negative, I, I think just the name recognition alone has helped uh, oh, yeah. with him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. the interesting thing to me is, um, I mean, High Point is kind of right in his backyard, so to speak, isn't it? At least. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, he's right there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Mark Walker is too. As and well. Mark, yeah, that's right. And but to not show up for a debate right in your backyard, I, I don't know. I, I I think if he was going to show up for one, this might be one he ought to show up to. But well, at this point, they would really beat up on him. Why haven't you been here for the last two debates? But that being said, he's not going to be there. Mark Walker and Pat McCrory will be. By the way, we're going to have Mark Walker on with us uh, Thursday. That's a, that's a good point because if I was uh, McCrory or Walker, I'd just say, look at who we have here. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> thanks, yeah. thanks for coming. <laughs> Better late than never. Yeah. A panel of North Carolina Court of Appeals has split two to one to rule that felons can vote in North Carolina's election starting this November Two Democrat justices agreed to the change while a Republican colleague dissented. The decision arrived today through an order addressing state legislative leaders' requests for a writ of supersedis. That type of legal action would block a trial court's ruling allowing 56,000 felons to vote in North Carolina. Judge John Arrowwood and Allegra Collins agreed to block felon voting for elections scheduled May 17th and July 26th. Their order refers to the state Supreme Court's September 2021 decision to block felon voting in last year's municipal races. The status quo established by the North Carolina Supreme Court back in September of 21 um, in this uh, cause shall remain in effect through these elections. The new appeal court stated thereafter the North Carolina State Board of Elections is ordered to take actions to implement the final judgment and order for subsequent elections. Now, what's interesting about this is the judge that um, dissented was a judge by the name of Jefferson Griffin, who's a Republican. And he says the majority seemingly believes that although there are good legal grounds to issue a writ of supersedis at this time, those grounds will somehow disappear between this primary election and the upcoming general election, he wrote. 
There is no basis in law or fact to justify such a conclusion. I would therefore allow the petition for writ of supersedus unconditionally for the purpose of staying the trial court's order and maintaining the status quo pending disposition of this appeal. He warned of the high risk of imperable harm to the public interest if felon voting proceeds before the legal dispute reaches the final resolution. And basically goes on to say that, listen, um, the idea that felons can vote before they have fulfilled all the uh, details of their punishment, not just not just out on parole, but, you know, I mean, just once they are out on parole, they have got to maintain good behavior for a certain period of time. And uh, until they do that, that's when they get the, the right to vote back. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is saying, okay, once you fulfilled your jail time, we're going to allow you to vote even if you're still on probation. And it's it's a constitutional matter. The state constitution made it very, very clear, makes it very clear what is the law. And for these justices just to basically shoot the bird at the law and said, constitution, you know, we don't care what the constitution says. We're going to do what we darn well please. Well, as usual, the Democrats are you know making this out to be a race thing, <clears throat> like to do everything else. They everything have, <clears throat> they have talked about, you know, it's a, it's a racial equity issue. They've talked about, you know, these felons that have that have not made financial redemption of their crimes. You know, they're not in position to do it and all that. But the bottom line is, there, there's currently no constitutional path. I mean. I believe in redemption. You believe in redemption. Sure, absolutely. And, and I believe in a path for someone to restore their voting rights. But there is no constitutional path, and it's just another case of if there's not, you either have a rule of law or you don't. Right. I mean, where does that end? The most recent Civitas poll from the uh, John Locke Foundation found that 66% of likely general election voters support the state's constitution current restrictions on felon voting. Among those surveys, 54% opposed the trial court's ruling allowing felons to cast votes before completing their full sentences. You know, this is another example of the hypocrisy of the left. Mm. All we have heard about for the last 10 years or more was voters being disenfranchised. You know, constantly is the drumbeat that any kind of regulations towards equitable, safe elections— where there's no cheating going to take place, we're told, oh, you're trying to disenfranchise the poor. When it comes to voter photo ID, oh, you're trying to disenfranchise the poor and the black and the elderly. And it's a, it's a crock. But yet you have something like this comes along, which is going to, I mean, look, there's 56,000 potential voters that are felons that will be able to vote in this November's election. Well, it's, I, I think it's just another issue. You know, the Democrats, I mean, they, they, are, they just shatter at looking at the way polling data is, the way they've lost, you know, Latino, African-American vote, and other things. Their ideas don't work. But it, to me, it's just another issue. Let's segregate another part of the population that we can— Class warfare. Uh, class warfare, making them one-issue voters and that type of thing. So they don't have to defend their ideas. They, all they do is just just segregate people to that one issue, and they, and they don't keep their eye on the bigger issue. of, of They don't work. Nothing they do works. Well, listen, this is racist. Oh, because yeah. Because these leftists have come out and said, hey, <clears throat> we know exactly how you're going to react. We know mm-hmm. exactly how you're going to vote. You don't ha- you don't ha- we, we assume that you don't have a brain to think with, and you're going to just kowtow to the, 
to the Jesse Jacksons and the Al Sharptons of the world, and we're not, and, and you have no brain to think for yourself. And therefore, we're assuming that if we allow all these felons to come out, it's, it's, it's not so much a black or white issue or how the felons are going to vote. It's a matter of law. These yep. people have broken the law, and they need to fulfill their full, reckon, uh, you know, their, their full sentencing and pay the price for what they've done to be restored. The Constitution, thank you very much. Restitution, restitution. thank you. Constitution, restitution. Yep, that too. <laughs> See, every now and then our producer whispers in our ears when we can't think of the word. Sometimes when you get old, you don't hear the right word. You know, he really? reminds me of that, that guy in The Wizard of Oz. You know, when you pull back the curtain, it's a really small dude. <laughs> That's Clark. <laughs> anyway that's a good one anyway hey we're gonna take a time out we get back madison cawthorn not only stepped in it he's in up to his neck i tell you if this guy madison cawthorn wins the primary i'm gonna be shocked i'll tell you why when we get back This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Welcome to National Pretzel Day, April 26, 2022. I like a good pretzel. Uh, Your weather forecast, by the way, we were looking at the radar a few minutes ago, and uh, it looks like in the next uh, hour or so, the uh, eastern edge of our listening area is going to start to hear some uh, thunder and gusty winds and some rain and possible hail um, tonight uh, cloudy periods of rain early and then it will clear off chance of rain over the next few hours is 70 percent depending on where you are in the listening area it's going north to south and west to east Take a look at your weather forecast for tomorrow. Some clouds in the morning will give way to mostly sunny skies. It's going to be cooler the next few days. A high tomorrow of only 71. And on Sunday, or Thursday, rather, sunny skies. And the highs are only going to be 66 on Thursday. So, mm-hmm. uh, hey, I, that sounds good to me, though. I, You know, 70s and 60s and 80s, I, I can live with all of that when the sun is shining. So, all in all, not a bad-looking forecast. 157 years ago today, in 1865, Abraham Lincoln's assassination, or assassin, I should say, John Wilkes Booth was killed by federal troops near Port Royal, Virginia, 50 miles south of Washington. A spot where he died is now on U.S. Highway 301. There you go. Yeah, come think of it. I've passed that before, now that you say that. Seen the uh, little sign there? Mm-hmm. This is where John Wilkes Booth. I went to Appomattox this weekend, Appomattox Courthouse, and uh, visited the spot of where General Reese Lee surrendered to Grant. That's uh, a beautiful area, too. I don't know if you've ever been there. But I have, it's, but it's been years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, uh, a little bit of trivia when that uh, signing took place. One of the two generals owned a slave, and the other did not. <laughs> It was Grant. It was Grant. That's right. That had the slave. He inherited it from his wife, I believe. Or? Uh, his wife's family yeah. Yeah, owned mm-hmm. slaves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, weather and trivia today brought to you by the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Warmer weather is here. What a better way to enjoy the outdoors with family and friends than being greenside or poolside. The pool will be open before you know it. Voted best golf course in Greenville three years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club is waiving all initiation fees and wants you to join in the fun and become a member today. Not a golfer? 
Ironwood's new social membership includes access to the pool, clay surface tennis courts, and member-only full-service dining. For more information, and there's all kinds of ways you can join. You can join as a senior. You can join as a single. You can join as a family. Uh, call membership director Jenna Doyle. She can get you in. Her number is 252-752-4653. By the way, WITN is reporting that every single county in North Carolina now has a low risk of COVID-19. And uh, so we've got the all cleared from the CDC. At the same time, I heard on the top of the hour news that um, the vice president, Kamala Harris, well, I thought she got this like a, a month ago. Yeah, I thought she tested positive, too. I, I said that today uh, when someone announced it in her office. I said she, she's already had it one time, and she just got a, her boost, uh, I think, maybe, what, four or five weeks ago or something. She got yeah, her boost. Booster's really working well enough. I mean, at this point, though, I mean, how many people have it, and they're saying, oh, man, the allergies are bad this year, mm-hmm. or, oh, man, I got a spring cold. Because she, this, this, you know, I, I even wondered a while, you know, a few weeks ago, I had the sniffles, and I was thinking to myself, okay, what is this? And I thought, you know what? It's a COVID. I mean, a cold is COVID, right? It's a form of COVID. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think she has symptoms, right? Is that what the story said? Well, the first round, she was asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. what, what today's version is, but they said to uh, for her to stay at home. They said, yeah, stay at home and work from home. Hopefully, they'll just uh, like disconnect her from the internet. <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> stay at home as long as you want. Don't show up. <laughs> it's kind of like that football coach that really can't coach. You just you, know, you just don't hook his headphones up to the, <laughs> to the booth, you know. Madison Cawthorn. Wow. Mm. You know, the last time we talked about Madison Cawthorn, one of our listeners called, and I think that listener was sort of upset with me <laughs> because I was not um, grooving to Madison. And I know he says conservative things, and it's not a conspiracy, okay? A lot of these stories are coming out of very conservative publications, such as Town Hall, such as the Washington Examiner. And uh, the New York Post. Let's start with today. Today, Madison Cawthorn was cited for having a gun at a TSA checkpoint at the Charlotte Douglas International Airport. This according to WSOC and the Charlotte Observer. Cawthorn was stopped after agents found the North Carolina congressman with a 9mm handgun at checkpoint D, according to the station. So what happened in this particular situation was, and I listened to the audio of the security talking back and forth with the police and whatnot, and basically they just said, okay, we're going to walk the congressman back to his car and he can secure his gun. And then they said, well, he's not going to make the plane if we do that, so we'll hold the gun until he gets back to the airport and we'll give it back to him. So I'm not saying anything criminal was done. If, if it was criminal, they gave him a you know get-out-of-jail-free card. But I, I really wonder if he hadn't been a congressman, would he have been treated with such kick gloves? <laughs> no, I think he'd be in airport jail. <laughs> yeah, I would think. But why would you attempt to smuggle a gun on an airplane when you know you can't do that? I, I mean, and I'm sorry. I don't buy. Oh, I forgot I had it in there. You don't forget that kind of thing. Well, and and I'm not going to defend it at all because. <clears throat> You know, it does show lack of judgment, if nothing else. Uh, could have been a mistake, but still lack of judgment. But also think about 
I mean, could someone someone else possibly pack his bags for him? Because he is, you know, he is disabled. I mean, I, I I'm not saying he can't pack his own bags, but he might be disabled, but he can get lingerie on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, yesterday in the news and he observer, thought the, he thought the Glock was really secured in his bra. I guess. <laughs> So yesterday in the News and Observer, there's a story about Madison Cawthorn defending photos published of him, first published in Politico, of him wearing women's lingerie, saying they were taking, taken while he was playing a game on a cruise ship before he ran for office. <laughs> Quote, I guess the left thinks goofy vacation photos during a game on a cruise taken way before I ran for Congress is going to somehow hurt me. There's nothing illegal about putting on women's lingerie, but I don't do it. <laughs> well, at least uh, at least I don't think I have. But you know, a long, long time ago. Uh, I mean, who knows? Back but, when you were but, imbibing. But I, I, I will say, it's a complicated relationship. <laughs> I, you know, I will say that uh, I'm just glad that social media and phones didn't exist. 35 40 years ago because uh i still worry about a few polaroids out there but you know, <laughs> you know well, just, I, I just say the thing look if you don't want to get in trouble don't take a picture of yourself in the buff to begin with yeah yeah I, but whatever you do don't put it on any kind of social media i think it looks i, I did you see the photos I, I saw just a couple well, in the headline story well, it looks I mean, like he was drinking having a good time or something and uh i mean i mean the, re- the reason i don't necessarily support him uh not that doesn't have anything against me. I, I think he's too young. I don't think we need twenty somethings in Congress. I just don't. I don't think they've had enough experience. But yeah, it, I, as, young, as young as he is now, I mean, gosh, I mean that was probably just a few years ago. I mean, he was I mean, everybody's done stupid stuff. Well, know? what you just said. When you were younger, you did stupid stuff, and that's one of the reasons we, uh, uh, you know, uh, allow some maturity to kick in before we necessarily are the person in charge. But so, I mean, those are the things that just come out in the last 24 hours. Now, think back. I mean, how many was it? Two months ago, he came out and called uh, the president uh, Zelensky from Ukraine a thug. Uh, Back in early March, Madison was charged with driving with a revoked license, facing two citations for speeding because in, I think it was uh, a few weeks prior to that, he was going 89 miles an hour in a 65-mile-an-hour zone in Buncombe County. Um, and, of course, he came out and was talking about the fact that when he was in – he was on a podcast several weeks ago and came out and said, yes, I've been invited to orgies, <laughs> and I've seen uh, Congressman snorting cocaine. And then we find out later, well, I was in a parking garage and I saw some guy from like 100 yards away and he was sort of, he looked like he might have been doing drugs. <laughs> I, I mean, this, listen, is any of this illegal? No, is any of this, but it's bad judgment. Mm. And the one thing we need are people in Congress, especially people that brand themselves as conservatives. Yeah. We need people with good judgment. And Madison Cawthorn's, not impressing me. Okay, it, it goes deeper than this. Another story out today in the Washington Examiner. Madison Cawthorn may have violated federal insider trading laws as he hyped up an alleged pump-and-dump cryptocurrency scheme. On December 29th, 
Cawthorn posed at a party with a guy named James Kotulas. Kotulas, a hedge fund manager and ringlinger, ring leader of the Let's Go Brandon cryptocurrency, a meme coin in the wake, uh, in the wake of the chant mocking President Joe Biden. Uh, Cawthorn said, LGB, let's go, Brandon, legends, tomorrow we go to the moon. The next day, it was announced that this cryptocurrency was going to be the sponsor of NASCAR driver Brandon Brown. The next day, he announced that. When he announced it, the cryptocurrency shot up 75%. I'm not going to get into all the details of the story, but the question now is, and there was stories out by this guy, James Cotulis, saying that, well, yes, Madison Cawthorn owned some of this cryptocurrency. It hasn't been reported. He hasn't filed any information if he did. But the other information is, was this insider trading knowing that the next day they were going to sign um, this guy, uh, Brandon Brown, up to be, they were going to be the sponsor of his car because when that happened, it shot up 75% in one day. Now, what's even more bizarre is immediately following Brown's, uh, Brandon Brown's December 30th announcement, the value of the LGB coin in circulation eclipsed, now this is for all the coins that were out there, eclipsed five, $570 million. Wow. By the end of <clears throat> January, it was worth nothing, nada. Zippo zero. Uh, there are a lot of people that are saying, "Boy, this is this is a." Uh... Now let me let me just put it this way: Craig Holman, a government affairs lobbyist for Public Citizen, said if Cawthorn purchased the LGB coin before December thirtieth with non-public knowledge of the cryptocurrency's pending deal with Brandon Brown, that would constitute insider trading, a federal crime that can involve prison time. Hmm. I, I don't know, but it, again, it looks awful fishy. Uh, from April 16th, just a week and a half ago, it was reported again in a conservative publication, Washington Examiner, taxpayers footed the bill for Madison Cawthorn's visit to a luxury Riverside Mountain Resort in August of 2021, according to House Disbursement Records reviewed by the Washington Examiner. Cawthorn spent $2,950 of his taxpayer-funded members' representational allowance at the Sky, um, Sky Lorana. Is that how you pronounce it? Have you ever heard of this place? I haven't. Sky Lorana, a resort based in his hometown of Hendersonville, North Carolina, that boasts luxury accommodations for romantic dinners, weddings, and corporate events. The freshman Republican lawmaker categorized his August 9th payment to the luxury resort as a, quote, legislative planning food and beverage expense. That same week, from August the 6th through the 10th, Cawthorn billed taxpayers $556 for four separate trips to Fresh Market and Ingalls, $491 to a trip to Papa's and Beer Mexican Restaurant. Okay, I guess there's two separate restaurants, a trip to Papa's and Beer Mexican Restaurant. Uh, two visits to Chick-fil-A, those totals were for $382, a meal at Joey's New York Bagels for $53, a trip to Bojangles for $47. That's a lot of chicken. <laughs> well, in, in Joe Biden's inflationary economy, that, that's that maybe, it might, it might just have been a biscuit. <laughs> <Yeah. huh? laughs> 
Two un, uh, undescribed payments totaling $455 to a Citibank government's card service. Uh, again, this was a legislative planning, food, and beverage expense. I, I tell you, uh, Republicans or conservative publications and and liberal. I mean, everyone's all over Madison Cawthorn. I mean, it's it's but he's getting he's, it from both he's, sides. He's digging his hole. Yeah, he, he can't get it out of. Would his you own not way. be on good behavior? I mean, and, and listen, this. I'm sorry, this really is the epitome of bad judgment. Again, this goes back to December 23rd of last year. And we've mentioned this before, but Madison Cawthorn and his wife, Christina, divorced after eight months of marriage. The conservative lawmaker admitted their lives had changed overnight after he was elected to Congress. Quote, when my wife, Christina, and I were engaged, I was not a member of Congress. I felt called to serve, and we both agreed that I should run. Our victory was unprecedented, but overnight our lives changed. That change has been both hectic and difficult. It's neither the pace nor the lifestyle we had planned for. From the outset, we committed to make things work, to fight for our marriage and seek counsel for balancing the enormity of such a transition in life. Wait a minute. Eight months later, you're saying you're fighting for your marriage and you divorce after eight months? Mm. Sounds like to me you got a little case of Potomac fever to me. Wow. <laughs> I, listen, I'm, I, again, there's going to be people out there that are, think I'm, uh, I've, I've turned on conservatives. If we're not going to check our conservative beliefs and the, our conservative leaders, then we have no right to take a look at uh, the liberals that are out there. Well, you got to walk to walk, not just yeah. talk. You know. And I'm sorry, Madison, <laughs> you're, you're blowing it. Yeah, and I don't know that it can be repaired. Uh, you know, the other interesting thing about this is there are um, uh, leaders in the state house, including Tim Moore and um, Phil Berger, and for that matter, Tom Tillis. And people, oh, Tom Tillis, he's not conservative. Tim Moore and, and Phil Berger are conservative. Mm-hmm. And they're backing uh, Edwards. What's his first name? Is it, is Chuck? it Chuck? Chuck yeah. Edwards, yeah. Yeah, and I, I have spoken to him briefly. <clears throat> um, can't say that I know him personally by any means, but uh, dealt with him on one issue. And and then seen some of the things he sponsored in North Carolina Senate. He's really the type of person we need him. And, and, um, and he's an experienced business owner. Experienced business owner. And, I think he uh, owns McDonald's, doesn't he? I think he's, McDonald's got, I think he's got some McDonald's franchises, I believe. Yeah. I wonder if Madison went and spent any money there. <laughs> Stay <laughs> with us. Benny and I will be right back. show that really makes you think he is a genius he's all powerful he brought a kind of heat he could be the best just don't hurt yourself okay more news and views on talk 96.3 and 103.7 welcome back in tom and benny good to be with you on a uh, tuesday by the way let me thank benny for uh, taking over i i will be uh sneaking out every now and then my uh, two grandsons I'm not sneaking out today or tomorrow, but Thursday I'll be sneaking out again. My two grandsons are playing on the same Little League team this year. 
And that is really a special thing. And I, I told my wife early on, I said, I am not going to miss those games. Don't get them back. Don't yeah, you don't get them back. back. And uh, so uh, I, I love watching those little guys. Not not as little as they used to be, but I love watching them uh, play in the Little League. And eh, they're not bad ball players. So it's uh, it's been fun watching them. And you don't have to wash their uniforms. I don't. That's even better. Oh, I love it when they <laughs> uh, when they get nice and dirty. I mean, it was, what's fun is when they're playing and it starts raining and they get muddy, and that's... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Lauren, my daughter, who gets to wash the uniforms. Um, so over the weekend, this Texas National Guard SPC, Bishop Evans, lost his life while jumping in the Rio Grande trying to save two drug smugglers who were drowning. And kicking off Monday's press conference yesterday, Jen Psaki was asked about it. I mean, first of all, she kicks off. Now, this happened over the weekend. This, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. Jen Psaki kicks off the press conference after this guy dies saying, quote, there's nothing happening in the world today, I hear. That's how she started. I mean, would you not think it is with deep, deep sadness and grief that we mourn the death of someone who gave his life in the service of our country? Jen Psaki didn't say that. This is what she said. This is cut three. Take it, Clark. Does the White House feel at all responsible? And what, what more can you offer to people who you know, are on the border, in border communities, who are experiencing loss and, and trials like this? Well, I, I, of course, we are mourning the, the loss of his life, and we are grateful for the work of every National Guardsman. I would note that the National Guard work for the states, and so he is an employee of the Texas, Texas National Guard, and his efforts and his operation were directed by there, not by the federal government uh, in this in this effort, in this apparatus. Uh, we've, we've long stated that our immigration system is broken. There needs to be more done to invest in smarter security, to have a more effective asylum processing system, and we would welcome any efforts to uh, for, for any elected officials to work with us on that. So she had to be asked about it before she would even mention anything. And by the way, she never mentioned the man's name. Now, and then what does she do? This isn't a federal issue. You don't like it? Go blame Texas. Go blame Greg Abbott. It's the, it's the Texas National Guard. This is the same Biden official who used her podium to smear the agents who did nothing wrong, but Joe Biden said that they were on horses whipping these yep. poor illegal immigrants. Same, same person. And she can't even bring herself to mention the guy's name. Listen, and, and Joe Biden, I mean, Joe Biden gets up and uh, during the um, State of the Union, oh, we got to stop what's going on at the border. The buck stops with me, he said. <laughs> Listen, Joe Biden's administration and their border policy is directly, directly responsible for this man's death. Bishop E. Evans of the Texas National Guard. They are directly responsible for this man's death. Absolutely. And by, by the way, um, Mr. Evans, Bishop Evans, was a black man. Why do I say that? Because when it sit, suits their narrative, anybody, any white guy response a liberal will say this and listen this is not a racial issue this is a political issue a a liberal will come out when a white guy is responsible for a black man's death and makes a big deal out of it mm-hmm. 
Joe Biden is a white guy and he is directly responsible for this man's death and you don't hear a peep about it. Yeah, and obviously she did not mention it because she didn't want to bring the, the attention on Biden's failing policies as it relates to the border. I mean, first of yep. all, the Texas National Guard, if the United States was doing their job, they wouldn't have, th- to, be they would there. have to protect the border of the United States. Thank you. I mean, that that's the biggest problem. And the fact that she made didn't mention the guy's name uh, is just – can you imagine what it's – Beyond saying? the pale. It's, it's, and, and no reporter followed up too much. I mean, I, I thought they should have just went all over her on that and said, is that really the way – is that really the position of the White House? Is that, hey, it's not our employee, so no big deal. Yeah. And that's kind of the way yeah. she, she uh, yep. talked about it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Hey, we got one more break and then the heartbreak, right? Yes. Okay. Let's go ahead and take that last break and we get back. Um, did you cover that Florida sheriff story yesterday? I did. You did? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I won't go with that, but I've got something else for you from James Carville, the uh, weirdest guy in politics. What, what's the old saying? If you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. He's James Carville's throwing stones. He's a guy that looks like a hairless cat <laughs> or something. Yeah. Doesn't his wife... Uh, Marion, uh, what's her name? Yeah, uh, she's a Republican. Yeah, she's a Republican, and uh, she calls him Snakehead, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with us while then we get back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. James Carville and Mary Madeline, that's uh, his wife's name, conservative. So uh, he was being interviewed by MSNBC, and for a weird dude, this was really an interesting comment. Cut one. Well, old Moscow Mitch is up to his usual tricks. You know, he, he had a, quite a few dealings with the Russians. And, of course, his party, about a third of them, are pulling for Russia. But yes, he, he wants people that will be compliant to, to, to his worldview, uh, which is tax cuts for the richest people in the world and, ta- and tax poor people, which is I, I don't think is a very smart idea. But the problem is they are a weird political party. They need to be branded as such. I mean, these are people that talk about testicle tanning. These are people that, like, go to Hungary for conferences. These are not normal. By and large, a large part of the Republican Party is just out and out weird. And and the thing that Democrats need to do is start pointing out how weird and strange the Republicans have become and talk talk more about that and less about what Biden hadn't done for them. I have... (laughs) followed politics pretty closely and i haven't vetted every republican but i haven't met one yet that's into testicle tanning no uh, uh, and a surgeon general it looks like captain kangaroo with long hair i mean listen the the this guy is weird i mean for him to go around and saying democrats need to call republicans weird is weird i mean he's proposing that the party that is for normalizing pedophilia ought to call the other party weird. Normal people think that it's weird to secretly dole out puberty blockers to young kids. It's weird for teachers to demand little kids to mask up. It's weird for teachers to have graphic discussions about sex and gender identity. It's weird that a party wants to have illegals come across the border with uh, tons of drugs. It's weird that you have a party that thinks it's good for women's sports to be infiltrated biological men 
James Carville, uh, cool your jets because your party is the weird party. I think if you tried to brand Republicans as weird in this day and age, it would blow up in your face. <laughs> Absolutely. And we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5.05. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.